0: Praise band and looking forward to being in the Word today. You know, have you ever thought about that the decisions that you make today will determine your destination tomorrow? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, that's a reality. I mean, those small, everyday decisions that you make determine your destiny or where you will end up. You know, I heard about a little boy who got a job on a farm and this uh, farmer Put this the boy to work sorting out potatoes. And he said, Now I, I've got three piles, and here's what you need to do. I want you to put the small potatoes in this pile, the medium potatoes in this pile, and the large potatoes in this pile. Three piles. The guy had worked about two hours, the little boy came back to the farmer. He said, uh, You know, he said, I gotta quit my job. He said, Well, well, why do you need to quit your job? It's only been a couple hours. I mean, is it too hard for you? He said, no, it's not too hard. It's just that all these decisions are killing me. You know, life is a series of decisions and where you go to school can determine your destiny. The decision who you marry can determine your destiny. Where you work can determine your destiny. The decision of who you hang out with can determine your destiny. You know, Proverbs 13.20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says it this way, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So, who you hang out with will determine your destiny. The decision to experiment with drugs or alcohol can determine your destiny. So I would just say if I was a young person, I would be really careful about uh, experimenting with those kinds of things because you don't never know where you might end up. You need to consider the outcome of those decisions. You know, one of the things I did whenever I was working with students is I would take my kids to Evans Correctional Institution over in Field. You know, I had these guys who thought they were tough and they thought they were cool and they would take those guys into that Evans Correctional Institution and they would process them as if they had committed some crime they put them into that prison, on that compound with those inmates. And those inmates began to mock them and harass them and get in their ear. And it was very uncomfortable. It was very intimidating. It's not a place that you want to go. And I remember those prisoners would sit those guys down and they said, Listen, when you come here, if you come here because of some decision you make, they said they're going to start telling you when you can take a shower and when you can't. When you can use a bathroom and when you can't. When you can eat and when you can't. And what you eat. They said, you can look around this place. There's no Burger King. And you don't get it your way. You know, it was a very sobering experience. And those decisions that those inmates had made determined their destiny. You know, some people make bad decisions and they, they want to blame somebody for their bad outcome. And so they begin to look for somebody to blame other than themselves. And so they start looking to blame the system. Well, it's the government's fault, or it's the system's fault. Or they blame their parents. They may even blame their church. Or they blame God. And people n- sometimes never consider the reason that, the, that where they are spiritually is because of some decisions that they're making in their lives. And so this morning, I want us to look at two men who made some simple decisions that led to polar opposite outcomes. One of them made worldly decisions, and the other man made wise decisions. Now, you can determine which of these two you are. Are you a carnal Christian or are you a spirit-led Christian? Where are you? Do you make worldly decisions or do you make wise decisions? So if you have your Bibles, I hope that you do. Would you turn in your Bible or turn on your Bible to Genesis chapter 13? And then, if you would, flip over to Genesis 19 and hold your spot there. We're going to be in Genesis 13 first. Now we're talking this morning about Abraham and Lot. Abraham is referred to to in these verses as Abram, because God had not changed his name yet. So Abram was Lot's uncle. Lot's dad had died, and so Lot didn't have a dad. And Abraham didn't have any children at the time, and so Abraham just kind of adopted Lot. He kind of took him under his wing. And so Abraham was kind of mentoring Lot. And we see here in the the Bible that Abraham and Lot were two Old Testament saints. They were both believers in Jehovah God. You say, well, how do you know they were both believers? How do you know they were both saints? Well, the Bible tells me that they were. In in Romans chapter 4, it says that Abraham was justified by faith. He was an Old Testament saint. And then if I would look over in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, the Bible refers to Lot as being righteous. So we know that they were Old Testament believers, but they had two different outcomes. Abraham and Lot were living in Canaan at the time we read about Genesis 13. It's, Canaan is modern day Israel. And they were both very wealthy, the Bible says. They were kind of like ranchers and they had a lot of livestock and, and so everything was going well for them. And, uh, and Abraham was a wonderful mentor for Lot. He, he taught Lot about what it meant to be a godly man, but I think he also taught him how to be successful with his business. And so both of them were prospering. But there wasn't enough hay fields to go around. And so the land couldn't support all that livestock. So Abraham and Lot's husband, they began to compete for resources. And they began to argue over the watering holes. And they began to fight over the hay fields. And so it began to be a nasty scene. The Bible says that the Canaanites and the Perizzites were there. And and they were watching Abraham and Lot's men fight over these resources. That would be like an unbeliever coming to church. And seeing Christians fight in the church. It wouldn't be very appealing. It would not be very healthy. And so, uh, who wants to be a part of a church where God's people fight? And Satan loves it when God's people fight. Because it just, it's just like a repellent toward unbelievers. Just pushes them away from, from God and his church. Well, Abraham realized that was not a good scene. And so he said to Lot, he said, Lot... It's not good that our workers are fighting over this land and doing, it, and doing so in front of all these you know, unbelievers, all these Canaanites. We don't need to do that. So here's what you need to do, Lot. I want, you to, I want you to look at the land. You pick which way you want to go. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. If you go north, I'll go south. If you go east, I'll go west. Whatever you choose, you make your choice. And so Abraham gave Lot the first choice. Now you have to remember that God had already told Abraham that all that land was going to be, be given to him and his descendants. It really already belonged to Abraham. And Abraham could have said to Lot, Lot, this land belongs to me. God gave it to me. I'm your elder. I'm your uncle. You need to go find somewhere else to, to work. You don't need to be here. But that's, not what, that's not what Abraham did. Abraham gave Lot the first choice. He let Lot choose which way he was going. So Lot was confronted with a decision. And so we're going to read there in Genesis chapter 13, verse 6, and we're going to see how this story unfolds. Look there in verse 6. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were very great, that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelt in the land. So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right, and if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted his eyes, and he saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, and then it says, parenthetically, before the, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go towards Zoar. So Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. And Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan. And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Now we have Abraham and we have Lot. Both are Christians. They're both are followers of Jehovah. One is carnal and one is worldly, and one is spiritual, uh, one is wise. And I want you to see the difference in the outcomes. The very first thing I want you to notice is the rationale and the way they made decisions. The rationale and the way they made decisions. And Lot was faced with a decision, and I want you to see his his rationale and his decision-making. Look at verse 10. It says that Lot lifted his eyes, and he saw the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere. And it was like the garden of the Lord, and the hand is like the land of Egypt. And so Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. Now, I want you to notice something about Lot. Lot made his decision based on sight and selfishness. He made his decision based on what he saw. Lot was living by sight, not by faith. It's the very same rationale that Eve made in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, it says that when the woman, Eve saw that, there was a, that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. It was based on sight. What he saw. And Lot saw that the plain of Jordan, that it was fertile and it was well watered. And this was not a spiritual decision for Lot. It was a business decision for Lot. I mean, it was, it was a business decision. In his mind, uh, he was just thinking, you know, Uncle abes he's a foolish man. He let me choose first. And I am going to choose this land that's the best farmland for my cattle. It's well watered. It's fertile. I can almost imagine that Lot and Miserous Lot begin to have a conversation. You can almost, almost be there with them. And they said, you know, this is a great opportunity for us. I mean, we're going to be able to make a better living. We're going to make more money. We're going to be able to buy that big house that we always wanted. You know, our children will be able to go to the best schools. You can almost hear that conversation taking place. And Lot's based on his decision on what he sees. Well, what does he see? I am going to give you three things that he sees. He sees prosperity. He sees pleasure. And I'm going to go back over these and he sees power. He sees prosperity, pleasure, and power. Now you say, well, how do you know that's what Lot was seeing? Look in verse 10. Lot saw that the land was fertile and well watered. And the fertile land in that day was good for business. It was all about dollar signs. And and so we know that Lot was seeing dollar signs. He was driven by his pursuit of prosperity and possessions. Now let me just say this. It's not wrong to have possessions. It's not wrong to have wealth. It's not wrong to be rich. Abraham was rich. David was rich. King Solomon was the wealthiest man that's ever lived. Job was a wealthy man. These were wealthy men and godly men. The problem is not having possessions. The problem is not having money. The problem is money having you. And there goes where the problem lies. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, and this is what he says. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say money is a root of all evil. Of all evil, it says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But listen to what happens when people get in, in, in uh, really under the influence of this love of money. It says that some strayed from the faith in their greediness, and they pierced themselves through with many sorrows. And we're going to see that in just a minute. What happened to Lot? Money is not evil. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And the Bible says that some have strayed from the faith and pierced themselves through. With many sorrows. You know, you don't even have to have money to have a love of money. You can be a poor man and be greedy. You can be a poor man and have an unhealthy love of money. And Jesus gave us really what the antidote is to having a love of money. You know what Jesus said to do about that? He said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all those things will be added. He knows you need money because you you can't buy your groceries without money. You can't pay your taxes without money and you know you want to do that. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. Well, Lot didn't even consider God's will in this decision. He's just like so many people today. They just make their decisions on having more more stuff. And people will sacrifice their families on the altar of money. You know, there's a lot of people who sacrifice their time with their families. And they have sacrificed their service to their church in the pursuit of money. I can almost hear Lot now. He, He didn't even think about God. He said, well, you know, I'm just doing this for the family. Now, you know Lot was lying when he would have thought that. He wasn't doing that for the family. He was doing that to satisfy his own lust for prosperity. He was doing it for his own career. Accepting this position for money may not be the wise thing for him. The pursuit of more money may not be the wise thing for you spiritually. You need to ask yourself some questions. Is this the best thing? Is this the wisest thing for me to do spiritually? Is this the wisest thing for me to do for my family spiritually? Is this going to bring glory to God? You need to ask yourself some questions. Some people have a love of money. So much so they'll risk their relationship with God and they will sacrifice their families. And not only did Lot have a lust for prosperity, he had a lust for pleasure. In verse 10, it says that the land was fertile like the Garden of Eden, like the land of Egypt. Now, you got these two things. You got the Garden of like the Garden of Eden and the land of Egypt. And these two were really kind of opposite. Like the Garden of Eden was like, like heaven on earth. But then Egypt was in this particular verse was symbolizing sin. You say, well, how's that so? Well, in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham went to Egypt against God's will. Abraham went there because he was trying to escape a famine. And when he got down to Egypt, when he shouldn't have been there, he realized that his life might be in jeopardy because he had a a very nice looking wife. You say, well, you shouldn't say it that way. Well, I didn't. The Bible said it that way. The Bible says that she was beautiful, not just beautiful, beautiful, but very beautiful. And so he was worried that they might kill him so that they could have Sarah. And so he began to go down to Egypt he lied to them about Sarah. He said, she's not really my wife, she's my sister. And he wanted her to lie with him. And so you see him getting off off, off track. And so God had to convict Abraham and brought him back to Canaan where he belonged. And so Abraham goes back to Canaan and he takes Lot back to Canaan with him. But Lot just couldn't get Egypt out of his mind. He'd already been there. And he kind of longed for it. and So on one hand, he wanted to hold, have one hand on the world and one hand in heaven. Sometimes we like to do that. And the, and the Bible says in verse 12 that Lot pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. And then in verse 13, it says, But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. See, Lot was pursuing pleasures the pleasures of this world. I mean, Sodom was a very wicked place. It was a very indulgent city. It, it was very uh, self-serving. You know, a few years ago when we went to to uh, Israel, we stayed there in the, in the Dead Sea, and we stayed in a very luxurious hotel. And, and in this hotel, uh, they it was very indulgent. I mean, you could get a massage, you could get a facial, you could even get, get one of those... Uh, uh, fish pedicures. Do you know what those are? You put your feet in the aquarium and these fish come and eat all the dead skin off your toes and things. I just wasn't in for all that, I'm going to tell you. Wasn't my thing. And in that hotel, they were giving out free alcoholic drinks. That wasn't my thing either. And in that hotel, that night, they had a big 80s rock concert in the, uh, in the conference room the next day, one of the ladies who was on our bus, she said, you know, this is kind of an indulgent hotel, isn't it? I said, well, you do know this is where where Sodom and Gomorrah was, right? That's where it was. It's nothing but a salt sea now. Nothing there. Barren. It just lets you know how serious these sexual sins and sexual perversion is in God's eyes. Nothing is there today. Well, Lot had a pursuit of pleasure. And he put his family in the crosshairs of moral destruction. You know, Sodom was so wicked that we use the word sodomy to describe that type of sexual perversion. Sodom was a city that was against God and that's where Lot took his children. He put his daughters in the middle of that, that wickedness and hoped that they would stay pure. You know, you really can't drag children through this world's filth and expect them to live in purity. We can't live in a sewer and expect to be pure. And so Lot's daughters were there in Sodom and so they dated the guys in Sodom and they married guys from that wicked city. You know, parents, you really need to be very careful about the decisions that you make because they influence your children's destiny. This past week, I saw that become a reality. We were standing here at Vacation Bible School this past week and one parent said, you know, Uh, We were, uh, my child plays travel ball and they're not going to be able to be at church for vacation Bible school because they had practice. And so we talked about that and we had these discussions and, and uh, during that process of making this decision on what to do, for some reason they decided to, to let him come to vacation Bible school. Well, did you know it was that very day that her son made a decision to accept Christ? Today's decisions will determine tomorrow's destiny. And some parents never even consider the spiritual impact of the decisions that they make on the destiny of their children. And here's Lot trying to hold on to the world with one hand and heaven with the other. In James chapter 4 verse five and 4 and 5 it says this, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You cannot be worldly and spiritual at the same time. You just can't be. And I can almost hear a lot now. Well, I'm not really going to move to Sodom. I'm just going to kind of move on the outskirts. I'm just going to be near it. I mean, I need to be close enough to get there for my work. I need to be able to be close enough to enjoy the entertainment of Sodom. And that's how we compromise, isn't it? I mean, we don't jump in. We kind of wade in. We kind of slowly move in that direction. We gradually gravitate toward the world and the things that we do and and so, first of all, the Bible says he kind of pitched his tent towards Sodom. But if you were to go back and look at Genesis chapter 19, verse 1, it says that Sodom was sitting in the—I mean, that, that Lot was sitting at the gate in Sodom. He was sitting at the gate. He wasn't on the outskirts. He was right in the city, sitting at the gate. And Lot was no longer living on the outskirts. He moved to Sodom and he became part of that wicked community. He was sitting at the gate. Lot was driven. By his lust for power and prominence. Do you know what it meant for somebody to sit at the gate in those days? It meant that you had some kind of position in the city. He may have been a, a, a governor. He may have been a mayor. He may have been a judge. We don't know exactly what position he held, but there he was handling all the business and the, the affairs of Sodom. He kind of sacrificed his integrity for those positions. You know, somebody says that everybody's integrity is for sale. Everybody has a price. And for Lot, his price was prosperity, pleasure, and power. Let me ask you this. What's your price? What what would it take to get you to compromise your integrity? What would it take for you to compromise your relationship with Christ? You know, I heard the story of a man who was on a business trip and he met this lady on the plane and he thought she was attractive and he thought, you know, I'm going to make a proposition to this lady. So he told this lady, he said, you know, I'm a very wealthy man. I have lots of money. He said, I'll give you $1 million if you will come home with me and spend the night with me. And that woman glared at him and she began to entertain the possibility of so easily becoming a millionaire. And that woman decided she would accept his offer. And so they drew up the terms and they set the time. And just before he exited the plane, after it landed, he said, I need to be honest with you about something. He said to this lady, he said, you know, I, I'm really, really not a wealthy man. And I really don't have a million dollars. I, just, I was just wondering if you uh, would come and stay with me and sleep in my house with me for Ten dollars. And at that, she slapped him in the face. She said, What kind of woman do you think I am? He said, Well, we've already established that. (laughs) Now we're just negotiating the price. The question is what's your price? What's the price to sacrifice your integrity, your family? What, what, What is the price? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it describes how Lot made his decision. 1 John 2, 16 says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, that's pleasure. The lust of the eyes, that's possessions. The pride of life, that's power. For, for all that is in the world is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Lot was so selfish in making his decision. Verse 11 says that he chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan. He didn't care about Abraham. He He wasn't thinking about his family. He wasn't thinking about his relationship with God. It's only I want to satisfy my lust. And then I think about Abraham's rationale. And I want you to notice the rationale of Abraham's decision. Look at verse 4 of Genesis chapter 13. It says, when Abraham returned from Egypt, he went back to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And look at this verse. And there, Abram called on the name of the Lord. See, Abraham met with the Lord. Before he made any kind of decision in his life, he wanted to meet with the Lord and he called on the name of the Lord. He was on his face before Jehovah God. And I want to give you some verses when it comes to making decisions that you need to take to heart. Proverbs sixteen nine, Proverbs 16:9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I know our children memorize this verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. And I really like this verse. We ought to take to heart. James 1, 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Abraham went to the Lord for direction. That was his rationale. I want to seek God's face before I make a decision. So you have two different rationales. Now I want you to see the two different results. There were result, the results of making those decisions. Now I told you earlier that today's decision is tomorrow's destiny. That's true for a lot. That's true for Abraham, and that's true for you, and it's true for me. And we're going to see where Lot and Abraham ended up. What were the results of Lot's decision? And let me just say this. Those results were costly for Lot. When you start looking at the things that it cost Lot, you would almost be amazed that he really was a righteous man. If the Bible didn't tell you in the New Testament that he was, you wouldn't even believe it. The Bible says that, really, that Lot drifted from God. Now God, and this is, I'm looking in Genesis 19, but God sent some angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot saw these angels sitting in Sodom and Gomorrah, they were out in the square. and Lot knew it wasn't a safe place, and he said, don't stay out there, come into my house. I'll take care of your needs. He didn't want them to be the victim of Sodom's sexual depravity. And these men went into Lot's home and when, when they did, uh, they, they looked like men, but they were angels who were in human form and so they were in Lot's house and next thing you know there's knocks at the door and there's the men of the city of Sodom and said, bring those men out so that we may know them carnally. We want to molest them. And I started thinking about a dad who took his daughters to that kind of city to live in. But then you begin to see just how low Lot sank. I and mean, these people were out trying to molest these, what they thought were just men, but they were angels. And in Genesis chapter 19, verse 8, listen to what Lot says in response to this, this scene. He says, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you and you may do them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men. This is a man who lost his principles. What kind of man would offer his daughters to those kinds of people. Lot's decision to move to Sodom had really decimated his principles. He lost his principles. Not only did he lose his principles, but he lost his reputation. In Genesis 19 verse 9 it says that uh, these men, whenever they were standing at the door and Lot said, you know, don't do this, this is what they said to Lot. This one came to stay here, meaning Lot, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. You see, they didn't have any respect for Lot. He would lost his reputation. They were basically saying, who do you think you are to judge us? You moved down here to make all this money from us, and now you want to judge us? Lot lost his principles. He lost his reputation, but he also lost his influence. The angels told Lot to get his family out of Sodom Because it was under God's judgment, and and Lot, he was kind of lingering, and he wasn't really uh, going anywhere at that time. And so they finally said, You need to go get everybody in your family and get out of here. And so in Genesis chapter 19, verse 14, Lot went out to speak to his sons in laws, and they had married his daughters. And he said, Get up and get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to them, they thought he was joking. Lot had no influence, he'd lost all of his influence. They were thinking, well, you know, this man, he's just lost his mind. He's off his rocker. They thought he was joking. Nobody took Lot seriously. Because he'd become so inundated with Sodom's culture, he had no influence. But not only that, but Lot lost his family. The angels told Lot to get out of Sodom, Sodom, but he was just kind of lingering. And the Bible says that they literally had to grab him by the hand and escort him out of the city because he would not go. He was so... Connected to the city. And so these angels grabbed him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand and esc- escorted them out of the city. They said, Get out of the city and don't come back. When you get out of the city, don't even look back because this city is under judgment. And Miserys Lot got to thinking about her friends there at Sodom Country Club and she was thinking about her mansion in the city and she was longing to be back. And she couldn't take it. And so she looked back and she, the Bible says, she became a pillar of salt. Lot lost his wife. You know, it's really, when you think about it, how much Lot lost, it was unbelievable. But we're not even finished. The Bible says that Lot went into the mountains, and in the mountains, he lost his morality. Lot's daughters had been so influenced by this worldly philosophy of Sodom that they just thought, hey, we, we, we don't have any husbands, we don't have any children. Let's get our dad drunk, and let's sleep with him so that we can have children. You know what made me think when I read that? I said, how did they know they could even get Lot drunk? How did they know what he would act like when he did get drunk? They must have had an example. They must have seen it at some point. And so that's what they did. They, they got him drunk and, and both of them got pregnant from an incestuous relationship. Lot lost his morality. Now you think, well, how evil could Lot be? I mean, nobody can ever think that a fall of Christ could sink so low. And let me just say this. This is a message for Jamie this morning. This is a message for JB this morning. This is a message for every deacon of First Baptist Church this morning. This is a message for every connect group leader at First Baptist. This is a message for every member of First Baptist Church. We don't even really realize the evil is really in our hearts if it were not restrained by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17:9 that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I will just say this. If you take your eyes off Jesus, you don't know what you might do. And I will give you another statement. An undetected weakness in your life, coupled with an unexpected opportunity, you don't know what you will do. And I'll give you another statement. An unprotected strength, coupled with an unexpected opportunity, you don't know what you'll do. We're all just one decision away from a moral failure. And we need to be aware of that. And I'll just give you two more things, or three more things about Lot. Lot lost lost his wealth. He went to Sodom rich, but he left poor. He went to Sodom full, but he left empty. That's what what sin does to you. It promises prosperity, but it delivers destruction. And it all started from a simple decision just to pitch his tent towards Sodom. You know, that would be a lot of loss if we stopped right there, wouldn't it? But the Bible also says that Lot lost his joy. He was a believer, but he had no joy. Did you know you can be in sin and have no joy as a believer? David, when he was in in sin, living in sin with Bathsheba, the Bible says that he lost his joy and he began to pray and ask God, Restore the joy of my salvation. When you're living in sin, you can lose your joy. And that's what happened to Lot. He lost his, his joy. You know, I just wonder if, if, if Lot had said to Abraham, You know, Abraham, I realize we're not getting along right now. Our people aren't getting along. Would it be okay if I just sold some of my stuff so I could stay with you? I mean, you just, you, I, just, I just need to be in, you know, mentored by you. I don't want to give up on that. But it doesn't even seem like that crossed his mind. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, it says this, For the righteous man, talking about Lot, dwelling among them, talking about Sodom, tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. That word tormented is a very interesting word. It's the, it's the very same word that's used in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, where it talks about how Satan will be tormented for all eternity in hell. And that's what it was like for Lot living in Sodom. The Bible says that his soul was tormented. And when you're living in sin, you cannot be joyful as a believer, it's impossible. If you're an authentic follower of Jesus Christ, you will be miserable when you're living in sin. You cannot be an authentic follower of Jesus Christ living in sin and still have the joy of the Lord in your life. You're going to be miserable. And I love the way Adrian Rogers put it. He said it this way. When you get saved, God doesn't make it so that you can't sin anymore. He makes it so that you can't sin anymore and be happy. Isn't that true? If you can live happily in Sodom, it's because the Spirit of God is not living there in you. James chapter 4, verse 5 says that the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously for you. And the Holy Spirit of God who lives in you will not allow sin to live in you without you being convicted. And I want to give you one last thing that Lot lost. I think this is a detriment that we need to be aware of. It says that that Lot lost his witness. Do you know after all the years that Lot lived in Sodom... He did not win one person to Christ. He didn't win one person to God. Lot didn't reach one person. God could not even find ten righteous people in Sodom. I don't even think that Lot was really looking for lost people, to be honest with you. But do you know who was praying for the lost people in Sodom? It wasn't Lot. Lot was living there in Sodom. Do you know who was praying for the lost people in Sodom? It was Abraham. Abraham was before God, and he found out that God was going to destroy Sodom. He said, would you save the city for just 50 righteous people? God said, well, you know, for 50 righteous people, I will spare the city. And so Abraham said, you know, I'm just dust, but let me ask you one more question. Would you spare the city for 45 righteous people? God said, well, yeah, I would spare the city for 45 righteous people. Then Abraham said, can I just ask you one more question? Would you spare the city for 40 righteous people? God said, for 40 righteous people, I'll spare the city. Abraham says, how about 30? God said, yeah, for 30 30 righteous people, I'll spare the city. How about 20? God said, for 20, I will spare the city. And then, then Abraham says, well, what about just for 10? And God said, for 10 righteous people, I will spare the city. And God could not find 10 righteous people in the city. You know, I think that Lot lived in Sodom so long, he just got used to the lostness. And I hope that we don't ever get so used to the, to the world and to the worldliness that we lose our witness for Christ and, and we lose our, our heart for lost people. Some people say, you know, uh, all I care about is getting to heaven. If I can just make it to heaven. Well, we know Lot was a saved man. Do you think when he looked back at his life, he thought all I care about is getting to heaven? When he thought about all the loss in his life because of the decisions that he made. I don't think he'd feel that way. Yes, he's glad he's going to heaven. But I think he would have looked back and thought, but look at all the lost opportunities. And I know it's getting late, but I want to finish up with one last difference. I want you to look at Abraham's destination. I want you to see the results from his decision. In Genesis chapter 13, verse 14, it says this, And the Lord God said to Abraham, this is after Lot had separated from him. He said, lift your eyes now. and I want you to look from the place where you are. I want you to look northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land that you see, I am going to give to you and your descendants forever. God gave Abraham all the land. Abraham was willing to take the leftovers, but God gave him all of it. You know, you know what's different about Abraham? He wasn't pursuing prosperity. He wasn't pursuing pleasure. He wasn't pursuing power. He was pursuing God. And God gave Abraham all the land. And that's a good thing, isn't it? But I want you to see the best part. Look at Genesis chapter 13, verse 18. It says this. Then Abraham moved his tent. And he went and dwelt by the terebinth trees in Mamre. Do you know what Mamre means? It means fullness. Which are in Hebron. Do you know what Hebron means? It means fellowship. And Abraham built an altar to the Lord... Here's the difference. Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. Abraham pitched his tent toward God. He wanted to be in fellowship with God. Where are you pitching your tent? Are you wanting to be in fellowship with God? Or are you wanting to be in fellowship with the world? Do you want the fullness of the world, or do you want the fullness of God? The Bible says that Abraham built an altar to God and communed with him, and God filled him, and God had fellowship with him. Where are you pitching your tent? What rationale are you using to make the decisions that you're making? Some of you right now may be on the verge of a Sodom experience, and maybe you need to change direction quickly. Or maybe you know somebody who's living in Sodom as a believer. And maybe this morning as we come to our invitation that maybe you need to come and pray for that person that you know is living on the edge of Sodom as a believer. Or maybe some of you have just lived in the world so long you just have lost your witness. Or maybe you've lost your joy. And maybe you need to come before God and say, God, restore the joy of my salvation. I want to come clean. And maybe somebody here today, you need to accept Christ. That's the very decision you need to make. You know why? Because today's decision will determine tomorrow's destiny. The decision you make about Christ today will determine where you spend eternity. Today's decision determines tomorrow's destiny. And so, as we come to our invitation, if that's you, would you come this morning? Let's pray together. Lord, I just want to thank you for your word and thank you for the challenge in it. Thank you for the lessons that we can learn from it. Uh, thank you for the example that you gave us of Lot and the cost of pursuing this world. I thank you for the example that you gave us from Abraham, how to pursue you and and to point our life toward you. And Lord, we see your goodness and your fullness. Lord, we see the freedom that comes from knowing you. And I just pray today, if there's somebody here who's walking next to Sodom, that they would turn their heart back towards you. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here this, this morning who has never accepted you, that they would come to you. And they would make the, the most important decision they'll ever make, and that's to trust Christ. And so, as we come to this invitation, we just ask that you would work and you would help us to respond the way you lead us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing this morning? You respond how the Lord leads you. To every question, the one solution.